Hey, what's good? This is Rich. And I'm Marcus. And you're listening to Paychecks and Balances, where we talk making money, saving money, and getting out of debt, all while having some fun along the way. And we've got the course available for you that's debt-free. The four-week starter kit to build a solid foundation for your journey to debt freedom is now available. Visit paybal.co slash debt today to lock in the low, low introductory rate for the course and get started on getting out of debt before the price increase. Again, that's paybal.co slash debt. You better get on it. And on today's show, it's just us. If you follow us on the socials or read the blog, you might know about some of the recent career happenings. And we're going to talk through what's been hot and maybe a little cool in these streets in what I'm going to call more of a freestyle session. No raps, though. Well, yeah, don't get ahead of yourself. (laughs) Oh, wait. So you ready to drop bars? (laughs) I'm always ready to drop bars. (laughs) You you, you about to drop a diss track on them? It's it's whether they want to hear it is a whole nother scenario. (laughs) (laughs) And so what we didn't decide beforehand is who would go first with their story. So you want to go first? You want me to go first, bro? Whichever. It's pretty much yin and yang. You got it. All right, cool. So uh, I mentioned... Probably, well, it's probably been almost a month ago now, uh, but I mentioned uh, on social that I recently transitioned to a new role at the day gig. So I'm officially out of the staffing and recruiting world, though, you know, I still got that staffing and recruiting knowledge. And a big reason I wanted to talk about is because I, I think that there are some lessons within it. And that's usually the case with the stories that we have in the podcast, regardless of how entertaining they may be. And uh, I think ultimately I'd been in the previous role for uh, almost five years and I was getting to that point where I was like, you know what, I want to, I think I want to do something different, but I'm also in a good situation now. I love my team. I know this area really well, but I don't feel like I'm getting to flex the full capabilities and talents that I have on a daily basis. And particularly with some of the things that I do outside of work. And there was a point probably a couple of months ago now, it feels like, where I was talking to a coworker. We're we're just going back and forth, having the random end of the day, nobody else in the office but us chat. And he mentioned that he thought I'd be good in a communications role. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? That's something that I explored a long, long time ago. Didn't ultimately end up applying for anything in that space. Didn't have the right experience at the time. But thinking about what I've done in the blog world, what we're doing here in the podcast, and also just what I enjoy writing, thinking about the strategic side of things, maybe I should explore something in that lane. And so I'm telling Bubblekins about it. And she pretty much was like, you need to look into some roles and see what's out there. So we're sitting next to each other. I pull up the computer. I go on the company's internal website. I type in communications manager because I figured that that's a title within the company. And I know someone that had that title. And it turned out that four hours before I looked up the exact position that would be a great fit was posted. So I was looking for someone to come in as an internal communications manager, someone that has ideally knowledge of staffing and recruiting, because that those would be the folks who would be receiving all of the messages and, and communications. And she basically said, you need to apply for this. And I found, fam, I was trying to find every reason under the sun for why it wasn't the right time. And it was one of those things where I'm looking at the role and I'm like, yes, yes, did that, did that. This would be awesome. But 
at the same time, there's that feeling of being in the comfort zone. And then also for me, you know, I'm, I'm someone, well, nobody likes failing or no one likes being rejected, but, you know, I'm someone who can sometimes be sensitive to that. And I'm like, well, what if I don't get it? What does that mean? What if I get excited about it and it still doesn't work out? How am I going to feel? Because what I've found is that sometimes, like, once you start exploring other stuff, how you perceive your current role feels a lot differently. What do you think about that? Do you feel the same way or is, or is it different for you? I definitely agree. I'm going to go at it from a different angle, so I don't want to rabbit hole too much. So I'll just kind of pepper it with the highlight right now. Yeah, yeah. What, what I've kind of realized, um, so my job search, let me put it this way. So I, I wrote a post, if you haven't been to the website, paychecksandbalances.com recently, it's called Losing Two Jobs in One Week May Have Been the Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me. That wasn't the original, much angrier title that uh, Rich squashed for my benefit <laughs> behind the scenes. Looking was, out for you, bro. Yeah, when I was able to go back and edit this for y'all's uh, takeaways. But that being said, what I'm seeing is less and less, and maybe you saw this before. Uh, I was going to use a word that I don't use very often. It sounded serendipitous, uh, what you had right there, brother. Um, but I'm out here looking, I'm exploring, and maybe it's twofold. We talked about this with Tracy Trim is... I'm not exactly sure what I want to do, uh, which sounds a little bit strange at 36 year old. And there's a couple ways to look at that. I know what I want to do, but I don't know what that job is. I don't know what that job title is. I don't know what you would call that. That's that. And so as a result, I'm kind of doing like you suggested or um, alluded to. I'm searching for jobs that either kind of have my title in them or maybe it's something I did in the past that sounded exciting. Like I, I was an innovation manager for two years. So I'm like, okay, I want to innovate some things. I typed that in, <laughs> but nothing. And this is difficult to talk about because it's happening in real time, <laughs> uh, but nothing like jumps off the page. Like uh, I'm so excited to have this. And actually, which I, like I said, I don't want to delve too much. The one thing that really excited me blew up in my face. So for me, it's more so I'm seeing all these jobs. Uh, I got an active job search going on LinkedIn and a couple other places. And these, these, you know, they send you those weekly updates and dialogues or whatever. And I'm not anything where I'm like, yeah, that. Oh, man, I'd really love. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be so awesome. I'm just like, that would be cool. Yeah. 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 So that, that's kind of the place that I'm at. Now, I totally get that. And this was the first position in the in the almost five years that I'll actually at the time this comes out, it'll be five years in the five years that I've been with the company where I saw an internal position that I was actually excited about. And once I realized that this was something that was a viable opportunity, then I found myself starting to have that. Oh, gosh, it's almost like when you know a relationship is going to end. <laughs> And at that point, you kind of just start going through the motions like you're not totally slumping. You know, you, you might still be giving forehead kisses and doing all the other things, but you have to consciously tell yourself to do those things versus just doing those things organically. I uh, just watched The Best Man on HBO this weekend. So shout out to the forehead kiss. <laughs> OK, OK. <laughs> That's what's up. And so my girl, as I mentioned, she was like, you got to apply for this. And so ultimately I took the weekend, started updating my resume. Well, actually, no, at that point I started working on not quite a cover letter, but one of the benefits of it being an internal position and looking at internal mobility is that you know who the hiring manager is and you can reach out to that person directly, either via uh, the internal chat program or uh, via email. And so uh, I wrote this cover letter-esque email of a lifetime to the hiring manager and asked to put time on her calendar. 
And, yo, the angst that I had over that 48 hours before she responded, I'm like, what did I do wrong? Was was there a typo? And I knew there wasn't a typo because I read the damn email like 20 times <laughs> before I actually sent it. But that anxiety and that feeling that I had is something that I hadn't experienced in years. And I think that that's something that's natural when you're, when you're getting yourself out there in the uh, job search streets. And so a few things that I did within this email. Uh, let me let me hop in with a either a question, possibly a call to action, or a lesson learned. Since you know we're we're doing this on our our terms this this week. Well, how are your feelings or thoughts about the uh, internal promotion? Because mine are, I usually encourage people to use everything to your advantage. But some people feel some type of way about that, morally, ethically, or whatever. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you did it, but you know, why? What approach would you or advice would you give others? Yeah. So. First thing I'd say, and you don't hear a lot of people talk about internal mobility at a company. And the first thing I'll say is that access where you can go directly to the hiring manager and have an informal conversation before you even apply for the role was crucial. And so one, just being able to reach out to the hiring manager directly and be like, hey, I'm so-and-so. This really excited me. It's the first thing that I've been excited about in years. That's not something that's easy to do when you're outside of the company. You might be able to find people, especially when it's a large company, because you might be able to find people who are in similar roles and maybe you can narrow the list down to, you know, 20 or 30 people or, or maybe it's less than that for folks that could be the hiring manager. But once you're already in the company, that means that you've already passed that company's hiring bar and having an internal track record and performance reviews that they can see and access and know how you've done in your time at the company. That saves some of the questions and worry that may come when you're looking at external applicants where you're like, I don't know this person. I don't know who can vouch for this person. I'm going to contact their references. They're probably going to say something good, but this person cleared our hiring bar. I can see their performance reviews over the course of the whole time that they've been here. I can talk to their current manager. So it almost takes a couple of steps out of the process. And that's something that I think makes it highly desirable to look internally. Uh, the, the other thing with it for me was that, you know, I, I, if I was external and I applied for this role, I probably would not have gotten an interview. But because I had been at the company for four plus years, because I had a strong track record in terms of my performance reviews, because I worked so essentially, I was the recipient of all of the internal communications before. So I brought a perspective from my internal experience that would be great for them to have on the team. So what better than to have somebody who was previously in your audience, now part of your team, who can tell you how certain messages and certain formats for delivering messages are going to be received. So I think that that helped out a lot for me. And I, I think that for people who are at other companies that may have internal openings, even if you don't have all the exact skills, there's probably a way for you to get in front of the hiring manager, have an informal conversation, kind of start building that rapport. And then if that conversation goes well, express interest in the role and there's going to be a higher likelihood of them wanting to talk to you through the formal process. So I'd say that those are probably a few things that worked well for me and I think could also be helpful to other people. Cool, cool. Yes. And like I mentioned, within that email, uh, I highlighted my current role and how my perspective could be helpful. And given that, you know, with communications, it's a lot of writing. There's a strategy element of it. And so I linked to places that I'd written articles for on the freelance scene. I also linked to the podcast, which 
spoke to kind of branding, PR, communications, to repeat the obvious word. But then also being able to talk about things like, oh, I've managed the editorial calendar. I've thought about how messages are going are gonna to be received by our audience. So for me, a lot of that was uh, leveraging those transferable skills and thinking about how all the things I do outside of work, all the things outside of work that I enjoy, how can I use that and package that experience to add value in this new role? And, uh, and I mentioned earlier, too, just within my current role in staffing, it felt like, yeah, I was good at it. I knew the area really well, but there were so many things that I enjoy doing and so many things that I'm good at that I don't get to flex on a daily basis that this role was going to give me the opportunity to be able to do that. And I said that in the email. And when I actually met with the hiring manager, she she said like that that's one of like that email. What were her words? That email was so delightful. It's clear you have solid writing skills. Excited to talk to you. And so I think that that candor and not saying stuff like, oh, you know, this current role is really dragging me down. It's taking a it's it's putting a mental burden on me every day. I, I didn't go there. I, I focused on the positive. And again, having that that internal access and being able to directly set up time with the hiring manager to learn more about the role and then also talk about myself a little bit. I do think that that made it easier for me to get uh, into the formal interview process. Thoughts, questions, good sir. So I guess five years in, based on the history that you've had in the past, any changes or advice that you'd have for the interview side of the table? Actually, this highlights another benefit. So the interview process, at least at my company, for an internal candidate is much lighter than the interview process for an external candidate. And it makes sense. And given that I was still transferring within the same overall organization, so people operations, that made the process a little bit lighter. I really had three conversations. So one with the hiring manager at the time one with the person who eventually became the actual hiring manager, and then one with a cross-functional interviewer who was helping out in the process who ended up also joining the team and becoming my boss today. So for me, I don't know that there's something I would change so much. And, and, and probably the main thing is thinking about if you could create a position for yourself internally, or if you could find a role internally that if you applied for externally, you wouldn't be able to get. And if you could get in front of the right person to show that you ultimately have what it takes, even if it's not the formal uh, role experience with the exact language. And that, and that was one thing that was interesting about the actual interview process. And part of what I did, and we've had LinkedIn Learning as a sponsor in the podcast before, before I had the formal conversation, I signed up for, it was, it was like the 30-day <laughs> free trial of LinkedIn Learning. And I took multiple courses related to change management, internal communications, and communications so that I could start formulating the thought process for the interview. And so th there was experience that I just wasn't going to have because that's not what I'd done. But it at least gave me the framework for how to think about any questions that might come up as it related to internal communications or change management uh, specifically. So that was super helpful. And I remember in the interview, and I still didn't have all the proper terms and buzzwords, but I was able to take the appropriate steps. And they asked me a hypothetical question, how I would handle a certain situation. And even though I didn't know the formal terms for the internal communications world, I was able to reference the general framework and the general 
uh, action steps for how you would go about assessing a situation and how you would go about creating a communications plan. And then uh, also how you would go about making sure that the right people are receiving the message, who's the right sender. I won't get into all the other specifics of it. But doing those trainings over the course of a few days, that really helped build my confidence. And so that might be helpful, especially if you're making a career change, which is what this was for me, and you're a little bit worried about not having the experience. It might be worthwhile to sign up for a month or two for, uh, for LinkedIn Learning or Linda, or, which is also owned by LinkedIn Learning, or Skillshare. I know there's a number of services out there where you can get uh, various courses to help you understand uh, subjects on a basic level. And so that helped build my confidence so that when I walked into that interview, and I was still nervous a bit, I was like, okay, what if she asked this out of left field? What if she asked this question? And I think that's something that we're going to naturally feel when we're going into a company and we're, and we're interviewing, especially when it's something that's in air quotes outside of the comfort zone. But that boosting confidence and that angst, that's one of those things where the angst that I generally have turned out to be something that worked in my favor. So I'd say it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, I worked myself up a lot, which forced me to prepare probably 10x. But then when I went into the interview, I'm thinking about all of these crazy questions that I could get. And I got one that was in my wheelhouse and I was ultimately able to answer it pretty well, which led to me uh, being able to get the role. So those are probably some of the bigger things I would think of in terms of the interview process. And, and for other people out there, you know, if, if you need to do a mock interview, and, and so I'm not a mock interview type of person. How are you about that, fam? I don't do mock interviews. So for, I guess, somebody who's unfamiliar with that, maybe we should clarify. And I think this is what you mean, where you literally go through the interview questions with, you know, a friend, a peer, a colleague, a mentor type of thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't, namely for two reasons. I am a hiring manager, so I generally know how, how interviews go at this point, <laughs> or, you know, I hopefully should. Yeah. Um, and I just have a lot of experience doing it. Now, I will say I get rusty, um, so I will just kind of go through the process of answering interviews in real time. I, and I also have this podcast to actually practice on. And a lot of people talk about that all the time, that I can think off the top of my head quicker than most, yeah. which is clear that it's, it's a practice skill. It's just something I do all the time. Yeah. And that totally makes sense. Uh, I just think mock interviews are weird and would just make me feel totally uncomfortable in a way that I don't need to. <laughs> but well, for, I mean, go ahead. No, I, I am uh, going to plug two shows and on and I'll get the last name. <laughs> also talked about that. Well, so Jeff talked about a career change on episode 89. I'll get that in the show notes. And then Mark Miller talked about a career pivot on episode 42. And I'll get that. And it was Jeannie on from Yahoo Finance. And she talked about that's episode 81. She talked about the pros, actually, that she always recommends and has been an advocate for and has actually sat in on some mock interviews. So if you do want to get some examples of what that could look like, she talks about that on episode 81. Dope. Yeah, man. So uh, that was pretty much the experience. And I'd say the process from start to finish, I, I want to say it went about a month. So at the time that we're recording this. I am uh, pretty much a month into the role. And I had this moment last week, or actually it might have been the week before, where I was sitting with my new manager and uh, she was talking about organizational development and, and program management theory, which some people are like, that sounds boring. But to me, as she's whiteboarding or, well, I think whiteboarding is probably self-explanatory. 
And she's mapping out what she wants our team to look like. And she's mentioning acronyms, things I hadn't heard before, talking about new methodologies. Like, I I felt myself getting excited. And I remember leaving that day and I'm like, why was I getting so excited? Like, I, I was just so attentive. I'm jumping in. I'm asking questions. I'm feeling energized. And I think part of, not I think, I know that part of why I got so excited is that I realized that I stopped learning. And it wasn't until I found myself in that situation where I'm like, yo, I'm feeling like invigorated and this is new and I'm excited and I'm hearing things I haven't heard before. And yes, over the last year, there are things that I've learned, but those things have all been within the realm of a topic in an area that I already know really well. And so that feeling of learning, it, it sort of it sort of made me realize like how important that is to me. And it's not something that I ever really consciously thought about before, like the, the value of, of consistently learning. And I know for some people they're, they're comfortable doing the same thing every day. And I totally respect and get that. But for me, that learning and feeling like I'm continuing to develop, uh, it, it the, the sad realization was that I had stagnated. And while I continue to do well in my current role, I continue to build with people. Like I said, I, I continue to learn some things, but I didn't really feel like I was being challenged. And so this is the first time in you know, almost five years or five years now where I'm truly feeling challenged, but it's an exciting challenge. And it's something that I'm interested in. And I'm bringing things to the table that I know are going to add value, but that I also enjoy doing. And so for me, uh, a portion of what I do is, is go through documents or, or, or go through potential communications and make sure that the messaging is on point and make sure that it's worded properly. And like, I, like for, for someone that enjoys writing... <laughs> And for someone that enjoys thinking strategically about how something is going to be received, like that's a dream. And I know right now, you know, it's the honeymoon phase. And I know that there will be points in time where the role will suck because that happens with every job, even a position that you would qualify as as a dream job. There are going to be points in time where you're working longer hours, you're dealing with someone you don't want to work with. And I've already had one of those incidents and it's not pleasant. But the cognitive load, and I've been thinking about it as I've been ramping up and starting to dabble in some of the things that are going to be more regular responsibilities, the cognitive load was so much less than what it was in my previous position where I knew everything really well. But this role does not feel like it's it's taking that part out of me where I get to a certain point in the day or I wake up and I'm just like, oh, man, how am I going to like get through this? Or oh, here we go again. Or oh, I got to meet with so-and-so today. I'm not experiencing that now. So uh, I look forward to talking about this again in like six months or whatever it is and seeing seeing where things are. But being able to jump in, and that was the other thing, within a week of being in this role, like I was already adding value and feeling like I was adding value. And I think I added a lot of value in my past role. I dealt with a lot of difficult people. I dealt with stuff I didn't want to deal with on a daily basis, and I helped make really important decisions. But adding value, doing something that I enjoy doing, man, listen. We're taking a quick break from our chat to holler at you about today's sponsors. Small business owners rock many hats. One of those hats involves payroll. That's where Gusto makes life easier. Gusto includes payroll, taxes, and HR for small businesses all in one place. You'll get simple payroll processing, benefits, 401k, and management tools. Ain't that nice? And to make things simpler, Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes for you. A lot of payroll providers out there aren't for us. Gusto is. So check them out. PNB listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. 
Try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash paychecks. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash paychecks. And if you aren't the big boss, you better tell them about it. The University of California, Irvine's fall quarter registration is open. UCI is for people seeking the boss up in these professional and personal development streets. Their online classes offer 100% convenience and flexibility and an immersive classroom experience that will help you get ahead. If you're trying to start a new career, advance it, or better develop an appreciation of this world around us, UCI's Division of Continuing Education has the resources to help you be great. Courses are as little as six months and could help you when that next opportunity comes up. Visit ce.uci.edu slash paychecks balances and enter paychecks at checkout for 15% off one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash paychecks balances and enter promo code paychecks for 15% off one course. This offer is only valid through December 31st, 2019 at 11.59 p.m. And now back to the show. And I started to jump in somewhere and maybe we still can because I hope you have a final nugget so we don't end on the sad part of the story. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> although I did, happy to me. Although, although I did tell you to go first. Uh, no, I, I mean, like, so my story, like you, as we open with, is kind of the the opposite of that and, and not in a bad way. I'm in a much better place. Uh, thank you to all the kind words for the people who read the post or reach out. I've gotten actually a lot more personal emails, DMs, comments from this post, which means a lot because it probably was one of the top three personal posts that I've done on the website on purpose. I wanted to show you all the other yeah, the other side, the grass isn't always green type of thing. And for those of you who are curious, there's two posts that actually have went up. Uh, if you haven't been to the site a little bit, it's uh, losing two jobs in one week may have been the best thing that ever happened to me. And then I also talked about which came first, the fire movement or millennial burnout, because I also realized that while I might be in a better place personally, some individuals probably younger, although not limited to that, are going to see my story as a cautionary tale because I kind of had a similar relationship to the job as you were talking about in the first half of your story where the job, which is audit, for those of you who are unfamiliar, I've been an auditor for about 15 years, depending on your math, um, no less than 10. The, the fundamentally audit hasn't changed. It's kind of me that has changed. So when I said in the beginning, I'm not really sure what I want to do, I'm becoming more and more sure that it's not this. And that is both a gift and a curse because this is just one of those jobs, as I've actually said in a number of interviews, it's like Hotel California that you could leave any, you can never leave, but you can check out anytime you want. Like audit's just one of those jobs that you could do forever. And in some ways, in some fields, there's an expectation that you will. So it almost seems strange. I've literally been on interviews where I'm like, yeah, I want to try something different. And they're like, hey, you know, we have this audit role. I'm like, that's the exact reverse opposite of what I'm trying to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I say that because I really honestly don't know how this story ends. And I can disclose a bit more because now because of this process, my job knows that I'm actively looking. Um, they've actually received some phone calls and I can't even be at a completely embittered point. And I talk about this in the post because over that two year period, although I've probably applied for somewhere between 50 to 100 jobs, I don't count and don't want to know. I just fire off anytime I see something of interest. I've actually fairly consistently got interviews and I've gotten a few job offers, but Either they weren't ideal, they were for significant pay cuts, like $30,000 significant pay cuts, 
which also brings up another interesting point where is why I kind of looked at the financial independence retire early or just financial independence remain employed where you have enough income where working is an option. Because if that was the case, I might be able to take a $30,000 pay cut for a job I loved, although that wasn't this particular case. Mm-hmm. That also kind of came into play. I'm like, okay, what if this, as you had talked about, was the dream job? What if it, it checked off all the boxes, but it it just didn't pay that six figure salary and benefits and all those things. Maybe it's a, um, and this wasn't, but you know, it might be nonprofit. It might be in the community. Those are things I enjoy. I like doing speaking and speaking and mentoring and all those things checks off all those boxes, but the salary is not there. And so that kind of put me in a different place. Okay. Like maybe I need to do some things financially so that if a perfect job come along, comes along or opportunity might be a better way to describe it. I can take it because of the potential. And in some mm. ways, one of these jobs that I did accept was a vote in potential. It was a pay cut. It wasn't significant, but it was something you would notice. <laughs> it was a little bit more than a car payment, I, sh- I should say, just, so, just to give you a frame of reference. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity because I see potential here. And I'm not going to go all into the weeds. I left it fairly anonymous on the blog. I say job number one, job number two, uh, and I'll continue to do that here. So that's one thing that I'm thinking on is like I'm looking for a career change or pivot. And that's kind of two or three silos. Silo number one being that I maybe I just need a change like you're talking about. Maybe I just need a refresher of some sort. It's kind of hard to know or talk about because I'm not on the other side of the fence. It could be a grass is greener type of thing, although I don't think so because I'm very familiar with this grass (laughs) and this color of green. So (laughs) I'm fine with just different grass, even if it is just green on a different side of a fence. So I don't think that's the case that I'll regret any career change or pivot I make as you spoke to. Especially it's a strange analogy because the more entrenched you become and knowledgeable in a field as a subject matter expert, which I could confidently say about this, we were a little hesitant to say about ourselves for personal finance. People expect you to keep doing it. It's like you're the expert. Why would you want to change? Yeah. And I am reminded and I don't even know how I stumbled upon this. I was looking for something else and I was finding an album that Eddie Murphy dropped at the peak of his career. He dropped an R&B album. It was like 83 or 89. And it's just like, this man is that, you know, he's a comedian, top actor. He's probably at that time, the most well-paid actor, comedian on earth. And he decides I'm gonna drop an R&B album, (laughs) which to me just (laughs) proves that anybody can try or want to try or strive in something different. Uh, Jay-Z has a quote, which I'll butcher and all the people from New York will probably write in. So I'm not going to say the quote, but it's something to the effect of I'm not a rapper. And then uh, it was on episode 89, if you want to get it correct. Like, and Jeff spoke to is like, dang, if he's not a rapper, he's a hustler that raps. <laughs> Imagine if he was as passionate about rapping. You know, he might have been saying that just to be a cool metaphor. You know, this is Jay-Z. No, shout out to him. Actually, he's a billionaire now. Um, so 300 million of that being his liquor investments, which I found interesting, and 200 million of it being his art investments. So I did not know that about the liquors. Yeah. Round of applause to him. And. I'm just in this place where it's difficult to figure out where this goes because I'm going through the story. But as I told somebody recently, they asked me, you know, they were asking me what I was going to do about my current role. And I my response to them was, I don't know what y'all going to do about this role, but I'm pulling the parachute the second (laughs) the second the door opens, you know. So I'm pretty confident that that will be the next step. I'm not sure what that step will be. And it has been an interesting challenging 
I can't yet say rewarding, but definitely defining experience going through this. It's challenged me as a person. It's challenged me as a man. It's challenged me even as the perception I have as myself as far as my character goes, which, as I talk about in the post, actually led to me probably getting the help that I needed five to 10 years ago. But because I had my back against the wall, I had no choice but to kind of fight my way out of the corner so I started going to therapy as well and I've been to like two or three sessions and it's I can already see (laughs) yeah I can already see the benefits that will come for that and as I said I'm not going to dominate this show with that discussion but this experience which then eventually led to the revised title will make me a better person and then I said something recently which I still do believe in is that I'm glad. All right, let me restate. I wish I did not have to go through this, but if I am and I actively am, I'd rather go through it at 37. This is not something I want to figure out at 47 with kids, family and other obligations, financial or physical, spiritual or otherwise. It's really just me and Bay figuring it out, but it's not the end of the world. Does that make sense? And so it's something that I'll go through in real time and it'll, I'll continue to kind of revisit on the show because this is an active lesson learned in some ways it's ironic because, and I'll kind of, I guess, end with this because it's an open-ended question. I still think I believe this, but I was 27 at the time. I was with uh, a different job. I won't say which one. And I was having a conversation with a friend who ultimately left before me and you know, I think you remember this conversation. We almost had a fight, <laughs> not physical. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, where he he believed that work was responsible for making you happy. And I was like, no, it's not. And I think I still believe that, even though I'm unhappy in my current role. But I don't blame the role for the unhappiness because I don't believe that's a function of work. I don't think work should make you unhappy, but I don't think it's work's responsibility to make you happy. You should... And it's it's not easily done. It's easier said than done. But work is what's on the job description. Work is what's in the performance evaluation. Now, ideally, those things align with your personal values and goals and things that make you happy. But I believe it's on the person's job to satisfy what that list is. And that list is notoriously difficult to define, including for present company. But I've never saw it as the job's responsibility to make me happy. So the unhappiness is kind of occurring right now is because I am dissatisfied with the expectations of the role I was in. And I was in some ways moved into this role. It wasn't a choice. They told me it was coming, um, but it was kind of the company is greater than the the whole is greater than the individual type of thing. And I got moved into a role. And then I just assumed like every job search that I've had before, oh, six to 12 months, I'll be out of here anyway. Y'all do what y'all got to do. Four quarters, you know, <laughs> we can move on amicably. And then here I am, eight quarters in totality and counting, and it didn't quite work out like that. I love that you mentioned uh, values, and it it made me think as it relates to, you know, the job isn't supposed to make you happy. It's really on the individual to find a role that aligns with the things that make you happy. You know, and it's, it's very similar to what people say about like relationships, like, oh, you can't depend on someone else for your happiness. You have to depend on yourself. Sometimes you're going to have to do jobs or there's going to be roles that you have to take or there's going to be responsibilities that suddenly become a big part of what you do. And you're not necessarily going to love those things. But I I do think 
when you're in a role, even if it's the job and here's the description and here's what's in the perf and I don't love all this, I do think that individuals over time, and, and I think the ability to do this increases as you get more experiences within your career, which I also say career paths are squiggly lines, but it is on the individual to say, okay, what do I do well? What would I enjoy doing at least 50% of the time? How can I take what I've done and what I've enjoyed and bring that to a future position? And then how can I market myself in such a way that puts me in a situation where I may have the opportunity to explore these roles? Or even as you mentioned earlier on the personal finance front, like if you look at it realistically and realize what you want to do, it's not going to pay as much. What are the decisions that I need to make today so that I can take a stepping stone role or so that I can make this uh, career change in one year, two years, three years from now? And so I, I do think that that requires some strategy in terms of knowing that, you know, if you wake up today and say, you know what, I want to be a, I want to be a whatever, and you don't already have that experience, and there's not the internal opportunities available, it's probably going to be pretty difficult for you to just make that switch versus if you say, you know what, in two or three years from now, I would really like to try X. What are the things I can do in my current role and outside of work? What are the types of opportunities I can pursue within my current role to better position me when that time comes to where I can even have a, a chance of getting my foot in the door? And I, I appreciate that. And maybe this is the, the positive anecdote that I can now share. And I, I do not want to be dismissive of my own or anyone who's going through this because a number <laughs> of people have reached out with that. Like, yes, yes, I'm going through this right now. <laughs> yeah. Typing all caps and things like that, which I also appreciate. And, you know, it's twofold. The crazy thing is, um, and I, I only realized this because I was looking on LinkedIn to update some things and getting the, you know, getting the resume to, to match and align. And I've only really in totality been in all these various roles. I've had four roles, four, four titles and managers and bosses been through a lot of um, changes in the organization chart and things like that. But it's only 3.8 years. It's three, three years, eight months. Now, it feels like eternity. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It feels, like, it feels like I've been doing a bid but, and I ain't getting off on good time. But that being said, I'm also balancing that with the long term to your point is extremely bright. So I am in the darkness of the tunnel right now, but I also realize that the strides I'm making with the book, the growth that we're having with the podcast, the growth that I'm having, even with uh, social and some other things that I want to do. Some of y'all have seen the whiteboard that I hate to call a vision board uh, that I've been doing since 2016 and mapping out each quarter from 2017. And then by 2018 and 2019, there's really only two or three large, big things left on there because all those little nuances and minutia and just building blocks are in place so that the momentum at the top of the hill will all be in my favor. Um, I'm going to mispronounce it, but I think it's Sisyphus, the, uh, the Greek mythology where he keeps pushing the boulder the up. The task, and rolls back the Sisyphus on. task. Yes. And I'm still having the boulder roll back on me, but I don't see that as the eternal stretch. I really do see that once I get that boulder over the top of this mountain, I believe that I will because of all these blocks that I'm putting up. In fact, in some ways, a slight break from that uh, Greek mythology would be that the boulder, it's like I'm putting blocks up the hill. So it's still rolling down, but it doesn't roll all the way down to the bottom anymore. It's like I, I'm building floors so that it rolls 
75%, then 50%, then 25%. So it's less work, still work, still a freaking boulder. It's still a mountain that I'm pushing it up. But I can, I have hope that once I get through this darkness, and I kind of refer back to, you know, that's why I said the three years in 0.8 in eight months is because I look at college, I look at high school, arguably you could look at life where when you're in it, it seems like forever. And if you ask me right now to name any of my high school teachers, I, I, I'd have to give you a blank stare. <laughs> it, it seems like forever when you're in it and then just another part or chapter in the book when you're through it. Uh, days go slow, years go fast. Another part, and I'll put this in the show notes because it's uh, very representative and uh, I'm going to try to describe this visually, but I'll put the picture in there. It's uh, From Good to Great by Jim Collins, which is a book I actually enjoyed. I actually read it for work, which is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's three circles, actually, so it's not a perfect Venn diagram. And this is part of my curse. So one of the circles is what you love. One is what you're good at. You might have seen this before, Rich. And one is yep. what pays well. And then there's they all three are circled together, but there's only one circle that overlaps. And that's your win. That's your uh, big audacious goal, as he refers to it in the book. So because those other circles, what pays well, what you love is a dream. Uh, what you're good at and what you love, if those are the only things that overlap, you'll be happy but poor. That's arguably what you're talking about, which I could do right now. And I've talked about I could retire unsecurely any day of the week. I could walk away right now. I thought about it, <laughs> but it's like that ain't for me. And then even at the bottom of that is what you're good at, what pays well, but you'll be rich, but bored. I'm not rich, but I am, as my friend described it, his metaphor was the golden handcuffs. I make too, too much to walk away, not enough to be rich and not enough to just leave on the table. So it's kind of like I'm biding my time until that next circle comes back around where the finances, because that's a personal thing that is motivating to me. I'm not. Look, man, I can't go back to the cheese sandwiches and ramen noodles. I'm not about that life no more. You know, that was cool at 21, 22. Wasn't cool then. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the lifestyle yeah, I was that say, I envisioned that was, for that was, that was never cool. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the lifestyle that I envisioned for myself. Somebody actually sent me a tweet, but I am going to butcher and I forgot what it was. But it was a great quote. They quoted from somebody else. But the struggle is not something I want to do in perpetuity. And I've escaped it. So I don't want to struggle backwards. You know, that's one of the blocks in my mountain, in my Sisyphus metaphor, that I don't want to roll back down on. So now to your point, and maybe the final takeaway for me, then I'll turn it back over to you, is how do I bring all this together? I believe I have the confidence that I have some level of skill sets here. I've already demonstrated that I could work a nine to five where they will pay me at least a, a livable wage. I've demonstrated that sufficiently, done that for 15 years. I could continue down that path for honestly the next 15, 25 or 30 years. There's the financial independence piece where I've seen influxes like there's been months where i'm like oh damn, that's what y'all doing uh but then there's other months i'm like man don't nobody love ain't nobody got love for me you know ain't no guy got love for the west coast or the the third coast as we say down here in texas and so what are those talents that i will bring together when i push that boulder over that mountain and then to uh quote the the great philosopher oftentimes when you reach the top of the mountain you only realize how many more mountains there are to climb. I guess I'll end right there. Nelson Mandela was that quote, by the way. I'm over here nodding slowly, man. You know what? I'm going I'm to I'm throw in some finger snaps. I'm throwing some finger snaps over here. Uh, one thing you did remind me, because you asked earlier about 
the benefits of internal mobility is that I was able to maintain my pay. So this role was a lateral move. So I wanted to be clear about that with people that it, it wasn't a promotion. I'm at the same level. I'm still senior. And I was able to keep my current compensation package, which if I applied for this role externally, th- there's a chance that I m- may have had to take a cut or come in at maybe a lesser level because I didn't have that formal experience. So I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you ended on that positive quote. And we hope you really enjoyed this freestyle type of episode. And if you enjoyed and haven't already, be sure to subscribe and hit us with those five stars in Apple Podcasts. And say a few words of the show so people know what we're about. This week's five-star review comes from KGLA. Hope you didn't experience the earthquakes. Five stars, best personal finance podcast. Thank you, Marcus and Rich, for putting this podcast together. You guys are funny and relatable. The content and resources you provide are really valuable. I have personally gained so much knowledge. Appreciate all the transparency. This is definitely this episode. And hard work you bring to us, your listeners. Thanks again. Thank you, KG underscore LA. Yes, appreciate those five stars. I hope that wasn't an advocacy for Kevin Grant to LA because uh, it's going to be some bad news when this podcast drops. Wait, wait, who? Uh, Oh, KG. I thought that was KD. Oh, I'm like... (laughs) Anyway, well, I mean, I mean, he ended up, I mean, he did end up in LA, just not the team that people thought he was probably really going to go to. That's Kawhi, brother. KD went to, uh, to join oh, your boy, oh, why, Kyrie. Yo, I'm just as, I'm just as horrible. You know what? Hashtag leave it in. You know what? This is actually a lot of K's. KG, Kawhi, KD, Kyrie. <laughs> so appreciate you. KG underscore LA. There we go. And if you'd like to find us on the social world on Twitter and Instagram at PayBalances and on Facebook at Paychecks and Balances, follow our individual accounts at the Marcus Garrett with one T on Twitter, two T's everywhere else on Earth, because that's the government name. Rich is all over the web at I am Rich Jones. I am. And don't forget to visit to lock at the low, low rate at PayBal.co slash debt to purchase the course today. And thanks to everyone for listening to this freestyle episode. Until next time, be safe. We out. Peace.